0: This week, In and Nick are back with a new episode with special guest John Mazerakis, co-founder and chairman at Chicago Atlantic, a market-leading, publicly-traded commercial mortgage REIT, utilizing significant real estate, credit, and cannabis experience to originate senior secured loans, primarily to state-licensed cannabis operators in limited-licensed states in the U.S., John co-leads Chicago Atlantic as part of a three-person team that includes Tony Capel, Chief Executive Officer and Director, and Andreas Bodemir, Co-President, Chief Investment Officer and Director. In this episode, our hosts explore how one of the largest lenders in the cannabis industry considers and de-risks lending. John also walks us through Chicago Atlantic's business model, competitive edges, and how his team is experiencing significant growth despite industry uncertainty. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with John Mazerkis of Chicago Atlantic.
1: All right, today we're speaking with John Mazarakis of Chicago Atlantic. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, before we jump into to talking about Chicago Atlantic, can you give our listeners some, some background on you? We know that you've got some uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial endeavors from your past that ultimately led you to the cannabis space. So uh, let us know, what what is your background?
2: Sure thing, Nick. Um, and thank you for having me on, on, uh, on the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, I started my my business right out of college. Um, it was a single restaurant in the suburbs of Baltimore with three other partners. Uh, we ended up growing pretty much exponentially to a multi-unit operation uh, spanning across four states, uh, and we ended up with fifteen hundred employees. Uh, I call that my first MBA. Uh, so um, I learned a lot. Uh, it was an amazing journey, but as probably most people know because about a third of you know the country has worked at a restaurant at some point in their life working at a restaurant is a brutal endeavor <laughs> and you know i have a lot of respect for my past colleagues and everyone that i have worked with but i was on a mission around 2017 to find an industry that sort of has less competition uh an industry that is uncorrelated and um Hopefully, an industry that has some tailwinds that you know don't require the the effort and the, the vesting that the, the restaurant industry uh, sort of required. Uh, and that it was when my partner, my current partner at the fund, Tony Capo, uh, brought up cannabis. Uh, so we thought about it for a while. It sort of checks all the boxes, or at least we think it does. And so we, we went all in, uh, Tony Capo, my partner um, who has the lending background, and Andreas Bodmeier, uh, who uh, was actually our uh, TA at the University of Chicago, getting his PhD, uh, we partnered up together. Uh, as I said, we went all in and we decided that we're going to build the best debt fund in the cannabis space. And the rest is history.
3: So you went from restaurants to debt funding.
2: Correct. And, you know, I know it sounds a, a little bit, you know, uh, cheeky, um, but growing a business is growing a business. Regardless of the industry, uh, it, you kind of follow the same process and you kind of follow the same values. Um, you need to be focused, you need to be somewhat tenacious, uh, and you need to be disciplined. And um, I think we, we kind of check all those boxes. Uh, plus, we we work really well together. Um, and so I took the lessons from the, the restaurant industry. And uh, as long as you love what you do, I think um, you're, you're bound to succeed. Uh, and picking the, the, the right industry, of course, is very important. So I think we picked well.
3: I actually think it is interesting. Uh, I've never thought about the correlation between the between um, restaurants and um, and cannabis, but there is something um, like like you said, building a business is building a business. But there is something. There's a unique passion in both um, in both industries. You know, like I don't. I I also worked as a server and a bartender, and I loved it. Um, you know, and it is a un, a very unique. Space And all of the restaurateurs I knew are such passionate, singularly focused people um, that absolutely love what they do. And it is very similar to the cannabis industry because neither of those industries are for the faint of heart. Um, They are tough, break your back, you know, the industries. And if you can survive in one, I can definitely see how you could survive in the in the other. So um, I think that is really interesting to think about. I've never I've never thought of it that way before. Um, But before we go too much further, so so tell us exactly what is Chicago, Atlanta?
2: So, Chicago Atlantic is a direct lending fund uh, that has sort of three components that we lend from. Uh, there is a, a a publicly traded mortgage REIT uh, that accounts for a third of uh, the loans that we've originated and closed. Uh, there is the private fund, which is um, the other third, and then we extend for diversification purposes. We extend the option to our LPs um, to co-invest alongside our vehicles. So that's how we get to about a billion dollars in, in loans closed since we started.
1: And what sets you guys different apart from, you know, other lenders in the space?
2: Um, so I think we're unique in the sense that we're three founders, Um, and we follow sort of a democratic process. Um, The three of us could not have been any different. So my background is obviously the restaurant business, retail, uh, real estate, and then Tony's background is is traditional lending. He's done over $4 billion in in, uh, loans as a chief credit officer or or, a a head underwriter in, in several firms. And then Andreas Bodmeier, he brings an institutional perspective to the firm. Um, He is a research machine um, and he has experience in lending as well with a focus in litigation finance. So think about the process. We are the investment committee. Think of our diverse backgrounds and think of the process of actually approving an investment. Um, it, it It is strenuous, it is lengthy, and I think that is why we're we're good stewards of capital. No one likes to lose, and that is why we have zero payment defaults to date. Um, I think it's you know our backgrounds and the way we look at things. Uh, what I you know what I tend to accept sometimes, my two other partners w- would reject, and vice versa. So that sort of distills you know, the, the entire universe of opportunities that we have and, and brings it down to the 40-some loans that, that we've actually closed. Um, and it, it's, it's a, I love the process. Um, I, as I like to say, I haven't worked a day in my life because I always love the process. I love what I do. And um, th- that's sort of how we got here. That's what I think differentiates us.
3: How much have you guys lent so far?
2: Um, we've lent a little over a billion dollars, and our pipeline currently is about six hundred million. Uh, so the opportunity is vast, and the the only constraint here is, is just you know the process and and sorting through all the the operators and and the capital tends to be a little more difficult to find in cannabis just because institutional <laughs> investors are not participating Just a
3: little just a little bit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just, just
3: a little. Well, and I have to imagine that um you know because of that constraint um that that people are knocking down your door um you know are you finding that you have to tell a lot of people no?
2: Yes. Uh we do. We have a very strict underwriting process. Um we start with the state, which eliminates a ton of deal flow. Um, we don't necessarily, you know, we, we like to focus east of the Mississippi in states that have limited um, license environments. Um, we're not set on never, you know, funding a loan in California or, or Colorado or, or Washington State or um, Oregon. It's just that we're very, very picky Uh, in the process and no operator has really checked all the boxes so far. We've looked at hundreds of deals um, out west, but we haven't been able to to close um, anything meaningful to what we've done in the east. So state tends to be the number one. We have four sort of important underwriting parameters. The second one is we prefer the medical states. Slightly prefer the the medical states versus the uh, recreational simply because um, there's this tailwind Uh, we'd like to invest in a a company that is in the medical state, as the state transition to recreational because that improves the top line some somewhere in the order of three X to 10 X. Depending on the states that we've seen through that transition and. um, the second reason is the one reason is clearly like the top line, the second reason there's an overall sort of focus on that state when that happens, and the credit worthiness the overall creditworthiness of our borrower improves, so there is some strategy behind it. Um, and then, of course, cash flow is king, as they say, I would say you know the third. Most important element is cash flow. Uh, Not that I'm ranking them in in, in any specific order; they're all equally important. Um, But having the ability to repay a loan is is just as important as anything else when you're when you're underwriting a deal. And we we focus a lot on that. And then finally, I would say asset coverage. You know that loan to value that we hear. Um, is extremely important to us. Currently, our blended loan-to-value is under fifty percent, and uh, we, we we like to be conservative. We like to keep it at that range.
1: Let's expand on that, because I think that's really interesting that you guys are, are focusing east of the Mississippi, and so I want to get your perspective a little bit more on on, on certain state markets. Um, we're recording this episode on, on March 16th, and, and this morning you guys announced um, um, that you're going to be funding uh, an operation out in Florida. Can you talk about that deal?
2: Yes. Um, so as I mentioned, Florida sort of checks the boxes that I mentioned earlier as a state that It has a robust, maybe the best medical um, uh, market in in the country. Um, This particular operator, I think, um, will do really well. Um, They they own their own facility, which is uh, a huge plus. Uh, So from an asset coverage perspective, we're more than covered. Uh, they, they have a stellar plan to, um, to, to how to expand in, in the state. And um, we, we really love the team. So um, it's, you know, the state is right. It's medical. Um, the asset coverage is there. And I think it's just a, a matter of, um, of time before they, they can uh, just sort of knock it out of the park. I think that's going to be a very strong borrower.
1: Yeah, I think everybody is really waiting for that Florida market to to really just take off um when, once they uh, they see some more reform down there. Um another market that I want to touch on that I, I'm not sure if you have any investment currently in, but has been getting a lot of talk, especially, you know, we have hosts here that are from New Jersey and it, it <laughs> yes,
2: looks as the, we do.
1: But There's a lot of talk and and excitement around the New Jersey market. I think there's a lot of companies that are, fingers crossed, March 24th is looking like a date we might see um, that recreational market finally open up. How are you evaluating New Jersey right now?
2: Well, based on our underwriting parameters, I mean, that is the optimal state for us. That's exactly where we want to be uh, right now. There were 10 licenses uh, awarded in right around the the fall. I think it was probably October. Uh, We've talked to every single one of the operators that received the license. Uh, We're hoping to be able to work with a couple. Uh, I think it it opens a huge opportunity, not just for us, but for our peer group. It's great for cannabis. It's great for um, a lender. Um, We we feel that New Jersey will be one of the the, the best states um, and it will ramp up fast. Uh, We're happy that they they've announced the 24th. But, you know, I'm holding my breath because they've announced things before. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, we don't want to say hope before we jump. But I think uh, New Jersey. You know, being also an extension of the New York market is positioned to to absolutely kill it. And I think the um, the regulators are making the right decision because it will bring enormous revenue, um, much needed revenue, I would say, uh, given our times to um, to the state. So uh, I'm very bullish um, and, and look forward to working with anyone that wants to work with us. That has operations in the
3: state well this question may be now obsolete but i read um based on march 24th but i read that you've said virginia might surprise everyone and go wreck before maryland or new jersey anything you want to share there about that statement (laughs)
2: um you know, Virginia was was kind of hitting the accelerate the accelerator for a while there and you know they they sort of um had a, a little more of a liberal approach to cannabis um but it, it looks like a longer path forward now um it, it, but again regulators can surprise you from one day to the next um I, I think it's a great market. I think it's a super limited environment and again it would be a market that we would love to to work with someone uh in uh we did we did work with uh, with an operator early on um a, a wonderful operator um called g leaf uh they were bought by uh columbia care and they had an incredible operation in um in the state so um we we love the state and you know I guess I can say that I was wrong.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't hold that against you. I think everybody, (laughs) nobody is right when it comes to this stuff, or if they are, they're lying to you. Um, You know, when we we talk about, um, you guys have been in business since 2018? That's right. Okay, so that's a long time in cannabis years. Are there any like lessons that you've learned or anything you wish you knew in 2018 that you know now that you would like counsel your younger self?
2: Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, obviously, hindsight is 2020. Um it, I'm not sure that we would change anything um, going forward. One thing, you know, I would say, and I I think it's okay to say it publicly, is early on we did a, um, we did Verano's like first real debt without any warrants. And we were so conservative, uh, literally, you know, it was a $30 million facility to Verano, currently like a $3 billion company. And what, what you know, the lesson is sometimes and I say this jokingly, not that i'm I'm very risk averse because I've made my, my money in, in a very, very tough environment, uh, literally counting the pennies because the pennies matter in the restaurant space. But when we came across Verano, we were so conservative we could have been a little more um, aggressive on certain things, maybe advance a little more or, you know just extend ourselves a little more. Uh, which would have been fun and rewarding and, as I like to say now, uh, when I when I speak uh, in a public event or when I'm talking with the team, um, you, you, you want to assess the risk return and with, with the time that you're making the investment, you'll never, you'll never feel comfortable, but try to mitigate the risk only to the extent that it makes sense and don't go overboard uh, because then you're just leaving money on the table that's that's sort of uh the lesson of the past uh because the deals that we picked were so good and the credit worthiness was so amazing g and verano were like our first two deals the one company went public and is worth three billion the other one was bought by columbia care for like half a billion Dollars, uh, so it, it was just a blessing to just be around this amazing industry that is growing by leaps and bounds.
1: I want to shift focus a little bit and, and you know look at some of the trends that you guys are finding in the industry. You know, you you're looking at a lot of really you know interesting markets, and so I'm wondering are there are there any specific things that you're following, or you expect to see from the cannabis industry in 2022?
2: Well, you know, the elephant in the room is the lack of federal legalization. Um, That's sort of what the the entire world expected um, after and slightly before actually the election. You saw that in the uptick of of the equities. But now we see the uh, the aftermath of uh, sort of a, you know, a slow moving, massive federal government that cannot possibly make cannabis a priority which I I understand, it's, you know, it it is, it is not a priority, and we have to live with it. But that is sort of something that we have to deal with in the short term. Um, I think in the long term, you know, legalization will happen, capital will find a way, the industry will mature, and it will be, it will be a completely different sort of story. But right now, there's a, there is a malaise in, in, in the public markets um, that we all have to kind of uh, deal with. And from our perspective, we are debt holders. It's not as impactful as it is uh, to those equity holders that are holding the stock. Um, and it actually makes our debt relatively um, inexpensive when compared to the equity, uh, because we're totally undiluted. So that's sort of how I see the, the short the short run. That's, that's the biggest headwind, I think.
1: Do you think there could be any you know momentum to see change there? I know that safe banking has been had been talked about for a long time. We've seen Republicans talking about the Moore Act um, as something that they might uh, be, be interested in. I know and then the rumor is that Schumer is going to introduce legislation on or around 420 that would you know potentially get things rolling. Are you at all, you know, bullish on that, do you think that that might actually, actually happen, or do we, you foresee a, a continuation of this slow-moving process?
2: Again, I don't have a crystal ball. And I, I, I know I'm going to be wrong for <laughs> <a> the 10th time. <laughs> uh, so that's fine. I can deal with that. Um, I, I think there won't be any relief um, in the next 12 months, uh, not before the midterm election. Um, there needs to be sort of a a new approach to cannabis. Uh, I think the SAFE Act is more likely to be the next outcome. I think it will help everyone, including ourselves. It will improve everyone's credit worthiness. Therefore, you know, our our portfolio will shine. Our risk return is gonna be phenomenal, Uh, but I just don't expect it to happen in the next 12 months.
3: Well, I was actually going to ask how how safe banking uh, the passage of safe banking or safe banking plus equity or whatever whatever it's going to be that doesn't directly affect your I mean, does it directly affect your affect your business? Does it open up the floodgates for more people who are who wouldn't be deemed creditworthy to become creditworthy?
2: So, that's a great question. Obviously, you know, and, and it goes back to the story and why we started in cannabis. We don't want, um, we, we really don't want to uh, shed a negative light onto a, a, a piece of legislation like the SAFE Act. It, it is very, very important to, for the message to be very clear. We're welcoming that change. Um, having said that, that brings more competition in the space. On the lending side and we are currently and, and thankfully you know we're well positioned uh we're currently working to mitigate that change in the space and how are we planning to mitigate it we are planning on number one being the largest having a very you know robust market share and then we want to work we want to be the recipients of that relief in the sense of leverage right now we're pretty much totally unlevered, which is unheard of for a REIT. Um, And once legalization actually sort of occurs or the relief of the SAFE Act, the the capital coming into the space will, will first come to us. I don't think Wells Fargo or Bank of America will start lending directly to operators. I think we will be the beneficiaries of that first capital that comes in the space. That will lower our cost of capital and maintain, and we will be able to maintain the same spread. I think that is sort of how we're forecasting that that change in, you know, from an illicit state to a to a more sort of um, accepted state at the institutional level. Um, more capital, I think, overall will be will be a plus, and then we'll just leverage our brand and our expertise to be sort of experts in the space. That's the vision that we have. And of course, we will extend right now. Mortgages are pretty much the only tool that you can finance a company. And and maybe there is some cash flow lending going on. I think we can expand that menu and uh, and sort of include other more mainstream uh, ways to to provide debt, um, But that that is to come.
3: We've talked very macro, um, you know, and and like hypothetical, uh, but let's drill down to the, you know, Q2, Q3, the rest of this year. Uh, what are you guys focusing on?
2: Well, um, growth is super important to us. Um, we have committed to not raising equity until we, we raise another uh, nice chunk of debt. And by nice chunk of debt, I mean, we have to raise a half a turn of leverage for our fund. So that, is, that has been our main focus. So it's a, it's a combination of, of cheaper debt capital um, paired with, um, with constant and robust originating and underwriting. And I think, I think we're already, you know, well on our way uh, in doing so.
1: John, I'm real interested in your perspective on the on this question. It's one that we ask uh, all of our lists, all of our uh, interviewers that that come and join us on here. But you know, I'm particularly interested in what what you're going to say here. But is there one story or one issue within the cannabis industry that you feel is not being covered enough? Is there like if you were going to open up the, the New York Times or the Miami Herald tomorrow morning and on the A one, what would that story you would want to see being told?
2: I love that question, so I I think we're not celebrating the industry enough from the point of fundamentals and size, this is 100 billion dollars of known retail demand only 25 million of that hundred billion only 25 billion is legally represented at the state level so just on the retail side, not including the compounding of the effect of the industry which some people say it's it's as much as 300 billion with its ancillary benefits just on the retail side we're talking about a market that is 100 billion dollars that can really benefit the state and the federal government from a perspective of tax proceeds um you can you can really put that money to good work and the the thing that saddens me personally, and um, you know, I, I say it all the time. There is there is zero focus on the fact that the product is being sold anyway. You know, it's a hundred billion. It's sold in the gray market and it's sold in the black market. Why not just legalize the process and and regulate it and and create those jobs and 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 benefit both the state and the federal government. That's that's sort of the story that I'd like to see more highlighted out there.
3: I have a question that was not on the the agenda and you do not need to answer this. I just kind of popped into my head. Um, You are of Greek descent, right?
2: I'd like to say that I'm an American.
3: you're okay, <laughs> but um I'm curious to see to, to... And I love this country
2: Anne, so don't, don't oh no it I'm it. not no i'm I'm
3: just curious as to um how cannabis is thought of in Greece and how
2: do you do you have family back there? I do not. okay. Um, my, my family lives in Baltimore Okay. Um, however, i I am I have limited knowledge of the uh, the cannabis. Uh, environment in Greece, just because we we read and we follow the European developments because we want to be eventually in the European market, we want to have a presence, we're not ruling it out. It's not like we have some de facto plan on doing so. Right now we're just lending, and I just want to make it clear, we're just lending within the US and possibly Canada, even though we've never done a loan in Canada. But Greece is an interesting space because it sort of mirrors California, and everyone says that Californian climate is very um, conducive to growing good cannabis. Wine um, and weed, baby. <laughs> exactly, and and, and Greece uh, has that sort of Mediterranean climate, so I think Greece uh, will flourish. And you know, and the government has been very proactive and has pushed cannabis forward. I think there are five licenses right now. That have been issued um and there are a couple indoor cultivation facilities that have started going up so um it's it's a i think it's going to be one of those markets that you can have indoor outdoor or hybrid and um they're they're, they're going to be selling through a different model um through the pharmacies but that is that is very similar to how germany has approached another another european countries okay
3: just interesting to see kind of what the, the differences are. And, and even in um, stigma or perception, I, I just I, being so stuck in America, like I just feel like it's the stigma is still so heavy here um, at times. And I didn't know if it was a similar in, in Greece.
2: Well, you know, there are definitely conservative elements in, in both societies and there are liberal elements in both societies. I think I think cannabis has been embraced. Um, of course, nothing will ever be embraced 100%. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, but I think, you know, Greece is, is part of this Western thought that has embraced cannabis in about 60 to 70% of the, about 60% of the population at least, uh, has, has embraced the idea of selling cannabis in some, in some legal form.
3: There's a lot of money to be made, so (laughs) they should embrace it. (laughs) Um, John, thank you so much for your time. Um, This has been really, really interesting. So um, where can people find the REIT? Uh, You guys are publicly traded on the NASDAQ. Want to plug the ticker?
2: Yeah, the ticker symbol is REFI, which kind of blows my mind that no one has taken it. (laughs) That is a great ticker.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) R-E-F-I. Pretty easy to remember.
3: Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you both.
1: Thanks again to John Masarakis, co-founder and chairman at Chicago Atlantic for joining us. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit ChicagoAtlantic.com or if you're interested in following the REIT specific, you can go to refi.reit. Once again, thanks for listening to The Green Rush. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush, Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast, you can email Ann and I directly by reaching out to us at greenrush kcsa.com and make sure that you're following us on your social channels and uh, you know subscribing to the Green Rush in your favorite podcaster. That's one take, Shay. One take.